It is time for us to begin our midday program here on KRVN. Thank you so much for joining us here today. I'm Scott Foster. Jason Jorgensen is in here with us, along with Bob Brogan and Susan Littlefield, as we prepare you for the next couple hours here and lots of information to come your way. And Susan, uh, we were just talking, you guys got some hail out there this morning, right? Oh, yeah, we did. It was kind of in between dime and nickel size. Mm. Not what you want to deal with, and definitely a lot of wind that went with it. Uh, the National Weather Service in Omaha said they had 50-mile-an-hour wind gusts in our nice. neck of the woods. Well, and I know we got a caller that called in said they had two and a half inches of rain in the central city area. So, again, flooding issues in, involved in all of that. Yes, and five inches in the York area. Oh, wow, wow. I know. Mm, just keeps coming. Well, tell me what you got for us today, Susan. Coming up at 12.19, we're going to get a weekly BASF update. It's going to talk about some late herbicides and the pre-tassel fungicide applications. There's been a lot of concerns out there, especially with the slowdown we've seen with the recent rains. And speaking of rains and the damper weather, that means we're going to have issues with the wheat. And Shaley Peters will bring us up to date on that at 12.45. As the wheat tour that's been taking place in Nebraska has found some unfortunate disease issues. Then at 1.17... Bryce talks about numerous members of the Nebraska Ag Group that traveled to the nation's capital, along with the Director of Agriculture, Steve Wellman. So more on that at 117. All right. Very good. Thank you very much, Susan. Thank you. Turn it over to Jason Jorgensen now, and uh, Vandy evens things up last night. Yeah, they did. They stayed alive. uh, Made a great pitching performance last night. So uh, college baseball season wraps up tonight. Well, it should be interesting because, you know, coming Michigan had all the momentum in the world coming into that. That was huge for Vandy to get that stop, for sure. Yeah, you almost wonder maybe if the uh, bubble has burst mm-hmm. from the Wolverines, but uh, we will see. Also coming up in sports, uh, Major League record was set last night by the New York Yankees. They now have hit a home run in 28 consecutive games. That's impressive. <laughs> yes. The record was held by the 2002 pill-popping Texas Rangers back when Alex Rodriguez and Rafael Palmero and the gang uh, had a pretty good run. but uh, I don't think Ra- Rafi said he, he couldn't understand English anymore at the time when he uh, talked that was a That, that was, was a sorry day in Congress <laughs> when they lined up all of those guys. Wow, man. Wow. Also some sad news to report. Uh, former Creighton men's basketball coach Tony Baroni passed away today. He was 72, if you remember, Tony. Had a pretty good run there in Omaha. Had some good teams with the Jays and then left and coached at Texas A&M for a while. But, yeah, late 80s, early 90s. Pretty decent college basketball played back in the day in Nebraska with Creighton rolling along at that time. And, of course, Danny Nee had the success mm-hmm. he had at Nebraska. But. Didn't didn't Doc Sadler maybe coach with Baroni down at A&M? Possibly? I don't know. That's, that's, I have to do some digging. But, uh, yeah. but, hmm. uh, Interesting. Yeah, he, uh, he, he He's a good coach. He was a good basketball man and uh, passed away this week. Okay. All right. Thank you, Jason. Let's turn it over to Bob Brogan. How are things going in financials right now? Stocks rising at midday on optimism for a U.S.-China trade deal and a rally in semiconductor companies. U.S. Treasury Secretary Steven Mnuchin told CNBC that the U.S. and China were close to a trade deal during recent negotiations, so hope springs eternal on that. Orders to U.S. factories for long-lasting manufactured goods fell sharply in May. And so a lot riding on the U.S.-China trade deal today, and that's uh, spurring the markets. 
All right, very good. Well, Trump says that they really want to make a deal, China does, so we'll see. All that coming up. Ag weather coming up next, brought to you by Holdridge Irrigation. Time for us to take a look at our weather and how it's affecting agriculture for us and around the world. And uh, weather certainly was affecting agriculture and uh, all of us last night in some parts of Nebraska. Yeah, Kansas. parts of Nebraska last night seeing some uh, devastation from the hail affecting the corn crop. Uh, some of it, of course, in a pretty good stage at this point and getting leveled by some a serious pounding of some hail in central portions of Nebraska. Also some flooding over about 3.6 inches of rain falling in and around the York area and a few other locations with about 2 to 3 inches of rain with that system last night. And we saw some thunderstorm warnings and watches in the morning, which is pretty unusual. Yep, yeah, a pretty active morning. A severe thunderstorm watch up until 10 o'clock for much of central and eastern Nebraska and quite a few mornings up to about 8 o'clock this morning across mm-hmm. the area. So... We could see some more thunderstorms that could go severe today. Right now, we're looking at temperatures mainly in the mid to upper 70s across the area. Already seeing some low 80s from Hogalala into northwest Kansas and also portions of southeast Nebraska. Hebron sitting at a temperature of 80, but once again, most of us in the mid to upper 70s currently. Looking at some sunshine and warmer conditions today, that cold front from yesterday lifting to the north as a warm front. Another round of thunderstorms expected to develop across the high plains this evening and then track east into our region for tonight. The storm's not expected to be as widespread or maybe as robust as the storms this morning, but some of them still could be severe. Looking at the best chance for severe weather today. Along and west of a line from O'Neill down to Broken Bow, Lexington, and McCook. So once again, along and west of a line from O'Neill to Broken Bow, Lexington, and McCook. A slight risk of severe storms from the uh, Storm Prediction Center. Tomorrow through the weekend, though, summer-like weather and dry conditions pretty much taking hold. A prolonged period of above-normal temperatures and limited rain chances as a ridge of high pressure builds across the plains. Once again, for tomorrow through the weekend, with that ridge building to the north, that will push any disturbances for thunderstorm chances up and away as the heat builds. The high-pressure ridge starts to flatten for late in the weekend. That will push off to the east and allow for some small thunderstorm chances and seasonably warm temperatures to start up for next week, slightly above normal as we head towards next week. That long-term forecast with the outlook of now warmer than normal temperatures for Nebraska, Kansas, and the eastern two-thirds of the west the first nine days of July. Initially, yesterday anyhow, that forecast for warmer than normal temperatures only expected for early next week. Now, the outlook is for warmer than normal temperatures the first nine days of July. Near normal to slightly above normal rainfall is expected for Monday through the 9th for Nebraska and Kansas. So at least some rain chances will be moving through with that heat. Weather factors influencing the markets include a pattern change to warmer and drier weather in the central U.S. and limited impact from dryness in Russia. The next five days, the showers will be heaviest and most numerous across the northern U.S. Mainly dry weather will prevail in the central and southern plains. Near or above normal temperatures will cover most of the country. The warmer and drier pattern change in the Midwest the next week to 10 days, benefiting crop development. One-fifth of Ohio's intended corn acreage still not planted, while 7 to 9 percent remains unplanted in Illinois, Indiana, Michigan, Missouri, and Wisconsin. In the Southern Plains, much warmer and drier weather in the next week will be very welcome for harvest and also row crop development. Western European crop areas still hot, which is stressing the ripening wheat and summer corn. Russia and Ukraine crop areas will again have scattered showers and cooler temperatures this next week. 
following a hot and dry weather pattern this past week to 10 days. Dryness this spring in Russia and Ukraine appears to have had limited impact on the crops. Some estimate Russia wheat production will be more than 10% larger than a year ago. Okay, well, not a great chance for storms tonight, but it looks like uh, still a chance. Exactly. Some of those leftovers of those thunderstorms uh, could be moving in from the high plains later today. And since the west central parts of Nebraska to southwest Nebraska are the closest to those high plains, uh, mm-hmm. that's where we could see that greatest risk for severe weather. Once again, the Storm Prediction Center with a slight risk of severe storms along and west of the line from O'Neill to Broken Bow. Lexington and McCook. Still a few straggler showers and thunderstorms from this morning's activity. Some thunderstorms over west central Kansas still going from Hill City down to Hayes and Russell and Great Bend on a very scattered basis and still some of those thunderstorms from this morning in Nebraska still going over southeast Nebraska towards about the Tecumseh area. Okay, very good. Thank you, Paul. I know you'll keep an eye on it for us. So where do you go to check in on your weather? KRVN.com. Welcome to Midday, halfway, about halfway through here. Uh, Shaley Peters will be back in here featuring BASF Technical Services Representative Eric Schultz this week talking about late herbicide and pre-tassel fungicide applications. That's coming up in one minute. It's time again this week. We check in with our BASF representative. I'm Shaley Peters, and we get to visit this week with Eric Schultz. And a couple of different things to talk about this week, Eric. But first, let's just get an update. Had quite the weather last night across a lot of the listening area with some hail, rain. But we've had a lot of sunshine, too. Just give us an update on what you're seeing with your growers. Uh, yes, it, uh, it's been kind of a mixed bag over the last uh week to 10 days and we were supposed to have really what would shape up to be a nice sunny and hot and humid week uh, without very much rainfall at all Um, and that kind of turned the other direction in the last 24 to 48 hours where we saw some pop-up showers some severe and uh, with some hail um, but also some kind of wider spread rainfall heavier rainfall that's been hitting uh, some of these areas in central part of the state and then moving to the east southeast and east central so a little bit of a surprise given the forecast that we did have for this week Um, i would say up to this point we had some pretty decent conditions during the month of june giving our corn and soybeans a little bit better environment for uh, much better growth and we definitely saw better quality out of our crops and the corn was putting on leaves very quickly and a lot of soybeans are hitting that fourth trifoliate stage Um, And some of the soybeans that were planted towards the middle or end of April, fortunate for those growers, those soybeans are actually starting to open up some flowers and hit the reproductive stages. So let's talk about one of the things I know is pretty timely right now, those late post-herbicide applications. Uh, Yes, we still have plenty of opportunity. majority, I would say, of our soybean acres, especially on the eastern side of the state, to get timely post applications out and include a residual in that application Uh, for those soybeans hitting the reproductive stages we hope that we have set ourselves up for success up to this point by having that timely post uh, already done with some layered in residuals on the corn side of things we are certainly kind of getting up to that point where we should be uh, really shutting off the faucet so to say on any herbicide applications because 
we are starting to talk about getting beyond the V8 growth stage. So having eight leaves out there. And as I've learned from one of my colleagues, nothing good happens with herbicide applications after V8 in corn. Um, we're certainly hitting that limit now. And we do have a very primary and excellent option up to V8 or 36 inch tall corn utilizing status herbicide. And we've certainly had a lot of uh, questions and attention on this herbicide in the last uh, week or two weeks. And uh, we're kind of hitting that cutoff even on that option for those post applications. So as we wrap up with our herbicide applications, let's talk management decisions into the future. What does that conversation look like, Eric? Uh, Yes, we may be kind of running out the clock on the herbicide applications, which we should be as it's very important to follow those labels because we could be impacting ear development by applying herbicides too late. Management options still available would include, as you said, a pre-tassel fungicide application. And given our environmental conditions and really how good a lot of our corn has started to look in the last two weeks, I certainly would want to be out there protecting my crop with an early uh, pre-tassel application of a fungicide. Something available in our portfolio from BASF would include Preax or fungicide. It's Technical Service Representative Eric Schultz with this week's BASF Update. I'm Shaylee Peters. Jason Jorgensen coming in next with sports brought to you by the Woodhouse Auto Fam. Time for us to check in on sports. Here's Jason. Hey, thanks, Scott. Well, the college baseball season comes to an end tonight in Omaha as Vanderbilt has forced a third and final game of the CWS. Kamar Rocker struck out 11 while pitching six and a third innings of three-hit ball on the Commodores' 4-1 win over Michigan. For the Wolverines, this is their first setback of the tournament. Now, Vanderbilt is aiming for its first title in five years. Of course, Michigan hasn't captured the championship since the early 1960s. The New York Yankees have set a major league record by homering for the 28th consecutive game. They needed each of their home runs as they were able to hold on and knock off Toronto as they won it 4-3. Well, Hunter Dozier's Grand Slam highlighted Kansas City's five-run rally in the ninth off of Cleveland closer Brad Hand, giving the Royals an improbable 8-6 victory, and Dozier says it just all came together. I mean, the guys in front of me were do- uh, did a great job, had good at-bats. Um, they lowered the bases. I was just trying to hit the ball hard, trying to get um, the guy in from third, um, got a good pitch to hit, and uh, yeah, went out. Dozier made his comments last night to Fox Sports Kansas City. Now, Hand had been a perfect 20 two for 22 in save chances and likely is on his way to being an all-star but last night he couldn't record an out against the Royals. Nicky Lopez had an RBI infield single before Kansas City loaded the bases and Dozier connected on his first career grand slam. The two teams are wrapping up that series this afternoon. The Nebraska women's basketball program will take on Creighton in its annual meeting between the two schools on Sunday, November 24th at Pinnacle Bank Arena. The traditional class with the Jays becomes the second announced game on Nebraska's season schedule. That joins the Huskers' home game with Duke at Pinnacle Bank Arena in the Big Ten ACC Challenge on Wednesday, December 4th. Nebraska looks to be improved. They return all but one player from last year's roster, including four freshmen who combined for 893 points a season ago. And Roger Federer has been seated above Rafael Nadal for Wimbledon, despite the Spaniard being higher in the rankings. 
Top-ranked Novak Djokovic is seeded number one with Federer second and Nadal third. That's reverse of the rankings. Kevin Anderson, a Wimbledon finalist last year, is fourth despite being just eighth in the rankings. That is a look at sports. Have a great day. I'm Jason Jorgensen. For more, find it anytime at krvn.com. Over the past 18 years, KRVN, The River, and Cami have given away some pretty incredible vehicles, and this year will be no exception. We're also honoring our Nebraska Strong this summer, so follow us to special Nebraska events, fairs, festivals, and concerts all summer long, and register for your chance to win a brand new 2018 Ram 4x4 pickup. This beauty has a custom Dodge bulge hood and a spray-on bed liner. Being Nebraska Strong, we would like to encourage you to continue with relief efforts to our friends, neighbors, and family across the state by making donations through Nebraska Farm Bureau. Helping us bring the Ram to your town is Foz Garage, Arapaho and Bomb Motor Company, Cambridge, Eustace Body Shop, Eustace, Cozad, Lexington, Kearney, Grand Island, and Lincoln, and Central Valley Irrigation, Holdridge, Lexington, and Kearney. Head over to the Fun and Games page at krvn.com to find out when the Ram will be in your area. Register and you could be bringing it home. Time for us to take a look at our news and what's going on around us. And, of course, if you want to know what's going on, you talk to Tyler Cavalli. That's what everybody says. So we'll do that. Thank you, Scott. Well, Nebraska Governor Pete Ricketts has launched a new podcast that will feature conversations with lawmakers, sports coaches, and other people of interest. The first podcast released today is a conversation between Ricketts and U.S. Senator Deb Fisher about current debates in Congress and her time in the Nebraska legislature. Ricketts says the podcast will give listeners the chance to hear from a variety of people who are involved with issues of great public interest. Listeners can subscribe online on SoundCloud, a website with free music and podcasts. Record spokesman Taylor Gage says the podcast is designed to help listeners connect with the work of the governor's office. We'll travel this Independence holiday period, which runs through Sunday, July 7th, is expected to reach a record level with nearly 49 million Americans taking trips of 50 miles or more away from home during the five-day holiday period. This is the highest level since AAA began tracking holiday travel 19 years ago. Factors driving the increase in travel this year include favorable gas prices, low unemployment, robust consumer spending, and rising disposable incomes. AAA expects nearly 85% of travelers to go by car, over 8% by plane, and 7% trains, buses, and even cruise ships. For the latest information on road and bridge closures due to flooding, roadway construction, and detours, visit the State Department of Roads or Transportation websites for updates and information on download- downloadable apps for travelers. This also includes the Nebraska 511 app or 511.nebraska.gov. Daily updates on fuel prices along with a helpful fuel cost calculating tool for long-distance drives can be found at gaspricesaaa well, the Nebraska Department of Revenue reminds property owners that the Nebraska Homestead Exemption Application Form must be filed with their county assessor on or before June 30th. Now, since June 30th falls on a Sunday this year, the application must be filed on or before Monday, July 1st. The Homestead Exemption provides relief from property taxes by exempting all or a portion of the taxable value of an improved applicant's residence. Now, in Nebraska, a homestead exemption is available to the following groups of persons, persons over the age of 65, qualified disabled individuals, or qualified disabled veterans and their widow or widowers. For more information on the homestead exemption program, contact your county assessor's office. 
Finally, a recent Kansas Supreme Court ruling declaring that the state constitution protects access to abortion has opened the door to a new legal attack on the death penalty. Attorneys for five men convicted of capital murder argue that the abortion decision means the courts can enforce the broad guarantees of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness in the Kansas Constitution's Bill of Rights. The lawyers contend capital punishment violates the man's inalienable right to life. They include Fraser Glenn Miller Jr., a white supremacist convicted of shooting three people at two Jewish sites in the Kansas City area back in April of 2014. Defense attorneys launched the new attack on capital punishment in legal filings less than two weeks after the abortion decision. That is your afternoon news update. I'm Tyler Cavalli, and for more, visit our website at krvn.com. All right, thank you very much, Tyler. Are you vacationing for Independence Day? Are you driving? I'll be driving home, but it is over 50 miles, so I will be one of the 85% on the road. What about yourself? Me too. Going up to old mail days in Neely. Drive so. safe. Thank you. KRVN honors the memory of Trooper Jerry Smith, who was killed in the line of duty. He was a husband, a father, an Iraq War veteran, and a proud member of the Nebraska State Patrol. Thank you for your service, and here's to all of those who protect and serve. Weight disease rearing its ugly head. I'm Shaley Peters with you now on the Rural Radio Network. And we're going to talk about just that today with Professor Extension Plant Pathologist for the University of Nebraska, Lincoln, Stephen Wegulo. And Stephen, you recently were on a tour scouting wheat crops all across the state of Nebraska just last week. One of the most common things you found was wheat disease due to the weather we've had this year. Why don't you go through, talk about what you saw, some of the most prevalent diseases, uh, some of the concerns that producers should be aware of in their wheat crops as we near harvest this year. Yes, so in um, in the eastern part of the state, um, we uh, there there has there is a lot of leaf rust. Um, there, so leaf rust is the major disease of wheat in the east, eastern part of the state. Um, we have also seen uh, some bacterial streak, uh, which is also called black chaff. So it's bacterial streak. If it appears on the leaves, it is the exact same disease. It also goes on the heads, and when it's on, on the heads, it blackens the heads, and it's, it's called black chaff. So we have seen some black chaff as well. And then as I, 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 I made my way west, um, uh, I also saw a, a disease known as cephalosporium stripe. Um, I saw that at uh, one of the university uh, research farms at Grant, uh, but also in a grower's field uh, further west. Um, uh, I believe that was in Red Willow County that had a lot of cephalosporium stripe. It's a disease also favored by wetness. Uh, You'll see bright yellow stripes, one, two, or three stripes uh, along the, 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 the wheat leaf. And uh, they go up to the sheath on the on the stem, and if a variety is susceptible, uh, it's a vascular disease. So it clogs the vascular system, and the leaves simply wilt and dry. So that's a disease that um, uh, we are we are seeing in the in wheat fields as well. And then another disease favored by um, moisture is tecol. Tecol is a fungus, it's a soil-borne fungus. And it um, 
infects uh, wheat plants uh, pretty much from planting through the growing season. But if it's severe, it will stunt the plant. So you, you will see patches of very short uh, plants with white heads. And those white heads are uniformly white. They're not uh, like Zerum head blight where you have uh, uh, bleached and, and green. So uh, patches of short wheat with white heads, that's take all. And we have seen that disease as well um, in, uh, in, 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 in growers' fields as well as in uh, research plots. So, uh, so those are the ones. That, that, then stripe rust is another one we have seen, but stripe rust has been very, uh, actually little of it that we have seen. Um, it, for some reason, it did not take off like we were expecting. Uh, I think it's because it arrived late and it's favored by cooler temperatures. So by the time stripe rust was here, the temperatures were already warmer. And they favor leaf rust. The warmer temperatures favor leaf rust over stripe rust. So I think that's why, even though we have stripe rust, uh, we have very little of it. It did not uh, really develop to damaging levels. Um, so, so those are the diseases we have seen: tecol, cephalosporium stripe, bacterial streak, uh, leaf rust, and stripe rust. So those are those are the diseases other than Fusarium head blight that we have seen uh, in, in, in the fields as I, I, I surveyed fields last week. As you were going through and finding this, what was some of maybe the worst? What didn't seem to be quite so bad? And how much of a yield impact do you think that we'll see? So the, the, the one that is going to impact yield the most is Fusarium head blight. Um, because uh, even though... Uh, the, it's, it's the fungicides that are applied at early flowering, they only suppress Fusarium head blight. And actually, I wanted to, to, to explain this because some folks um, think that if you apply a fungicide for Fusarium head blight, the, the disease will not appear. That's not the case. The fungicide only suppresses the disease. Uh, but if you apply a fungicide, you can uh, save as much as 70% of your yield and the fungicide would also reduce vomitoxin. So um, so fungicides were applied actually in many fields to control Fusarium head blight, and they also controlled the uh, leaf rust, um, uh, especially, and, and f- actually fungal leaf spots, uh, like tan spot and septoria, that's another one that, that I, uh, we saw uh, that, that uh, uh, um, I, I meant to mention earlier. Uh, the fungal leaf spots, tan spot, septoria, uh, those ones, uh, I saw them uh, pretty much everywhere I went, from the east to, uh, of Nebraska to the Panhandle in the in the northwest. Um, so the fungicides will control the foliar diseases, but they will only suppress Fusarium head blight. So Fusarium head blight is the one that may cause uh, uh, significant yield loss where it's present, and also because of the vomitoxin, uh, those growers uh, they, that grain will be uh, discounted. Um, so uh, the other diseases where a fungicide was applied, they were controlled pretty uh, effectively. Stephen Wegula, Professor Extension Plant Pathologist with the University of Nebraska-Lincoln, giving a wheat disease update. I'm Shaylee Peters, and you're listening to the Rural Radio Network. Time for us to take a look at uh, the stock market, see what's going on around the world in the financials. Let's go around the world. First of all, in Japan, 
The Nikkei index is uh, was down 106 points. Hang Seng up 29. The FTSE in London was down six. And the German DAX was up 16. So very mixed there in the world markets as we go to the United States. All green right now, but just barely. The Dow Jones Industrial Average up 29. The NASDAQ up 28. And the S&P is up less than a point. And uh, so trade talks dominate once again as we turn it over to Bob Rogan. Stocks higher in afternoon trading on Wall Street on optimism for a U.S.-China trade deal and a rally in semiconductor companies. Treasury Secretary Steven Mnuchin told CNBC that the U.S. and China were close to a trade deal during recent negotiations. Investors are hoping a weekend meeting between President Trump and President Xi Jinping can push the two sides closer to a resolution. Chip stocks jumped after Micron technology forecast improved demand for smartphone chips the rest of the year. Orders to U.S. factories for long-lasting manufactured goods fell sharply in May, while demand in a category that tracks business investment rose modestly. The Commerce Department says orders for durable goods fell 1.3% in May, following an even bigger 2.8% drop in April. Employees at online home furnishings retailer Wayfair have planned a walkout to Time protest for the company's decision the to sell $200,000 worth of furniture to a government contractor that runs a detention center for migrant children. More than 500 employees at the company's Boston headquarters signed a protest letter to executives when they found out about the contract. Today's walkout was organized when Wayfair refused to back out of the contract. Those are some of the things we're keeping an eye on today. One of the one of the companies, Bob, that's down a little bit today is General Mills, down a little, almost five percent. And uh, bad news is that people will splurge on their pets and their dogs and cats on snack foods, but not on themselves. And so it's hurting General Mills right now. So get out there and buy something to eat. I All right, guess. get some get something out there, Wheaties or something like that. All right, thank you. For the past 18 years, KRVN, The River, and Cami have given away some pretty incredible vehicles, and this year will be no exception. We're also honoring our Nebraska Strong this summer, so follow us to special Nebraska events, fairs, festivals, and concerts all summer long, and register for your chance to win a brand new 2018 Ram 4x4 pickup. This beauty has running boards and tinted windows. Being Nebraska Strong, we would like to encourage you to continue with relief efforts to our friends, neighbors, and family across the state by making donations through the Nebraska Cattlemen. Helping us bring the ram to your town is CHS, creating connections to empower agriculture. SureTop Angus and Charlay Farnham and Nutrien Ag Solutions. Head over to the Fun and Games page at krvn.com to find out when the ram will be in your area. Register and you could be bringing it home. Sharing the Nebraska message in Washington, D.C. I'm Bryce Duskett on the Rural Radio Network. Last week, numerous members of Nebraska agriculture groups traveled to the nation's capital. Nebraska Department of Agriculture Director Steve Wellman joins us to share more about the trip and the key messages that were shared. The Nebraska Department of Agriculture led a group of growers and staff representing uh, Nebraska corn, soybeans, sorghum, beef, pork, dairy, and Farm Bureau organizations. And we, we really focused on free trade and free trade agreements in our meetings in Washington DC we we met with um, we met with representatives from Canada 
Mexico, Vietnam, Japan, and the United Kingdom. And then we also met with our federal delegation on the Hill and made a few other stops along the way also, uh, focusing again on, on free trade, uh, agricultural trade in general, and then uh, a variety of other topics that were brought up. When it comes to trade, certainly a timely time for you all to be in Washington, D.C. Mexico has now ratified the new USMCA, things with China. Sounds like there's a little progress made on that, but what did you hear from the folks that you met with and the number of different trade issues that are on the table right now? Well, there is certainly a lot of activity in the trade area, and we one of the first things we, we did was met with the ag attaches from Canada and Mexico, and they were uh, they're very optimistic that that USMCA will move forward in their countries, and like you said, it al- they already did in Mexico. So, uh, and then from from our standpoint, from Nebraska representatives there, we we support the ratification and implementation of the United States Mexico Canada Free Trade Agreement. So we look forward to uh, to getting that into place. Uh, we we believe there are improvements in USMCA over in NAFTA that agriculture can take advantage of, and and certainly Mexico and Canada are key trading partners for Nebraska. What were some of your biggest takeaways from this trip, uh, your most recent one to Washington, D.C.? The biggest takeaway for us was the the value of free trade agreements and and having actual agreements in place. It can be demonstrated from when we look at our key trading partners, they they happen to be uh, some way for some reason they happen to be uh, connected to countries where we have free trade agreements already in place. So I think that demonstrates the value. There's a lot of work being done from the administration on throughout the sporting organizations to to move forward in in many of these areas. And it it seemed optimistic, I believe, that USMCA will get brought to a vote and will be passed here in the U.S. And that uh, you know work continues on the discussions between the U.S. and China. There's uh, work being done with the U.S. and Japan on a bilateral agreement, uh, specifically, hopefully for agriculture as a first step in that uh, agreement. And so I, I think overall we can be look forward to having some progress made here. And of course, the the sooner this ha- progress is made, the better off we will all be. That was Nebraska Department of Agriculture Director Steve Wellman joining us to share more about his recent trip to Washington, D.C. and some of those key messages they shared on behalf of Nebraska Agriculture. Broadcasting from the Nebraska Soybean Board News Desk, which is being brought to you by Nebraska Soybean Farmers and their checkoff, I'm Bryce Stuskett on the Rural Radio Network. In the grain markets today, corn and soybeans finished lower, but wheat rallied. Dewey Nelson on the Rural Radio Network as we visit with John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniels Ag Marketing in Chicago and publisher of the newsletter This Week in Grain. We'll turn our eyes here first and ears for the negative side on corn and soybeans, some of the factors that brought them down. I think position squaring across the board. You know, you saw the, the livestock really rally. Um, I mean, there was some news out there, but but specifically, I think you're seeing funds kind of square up here before the end of the month. Can't understate. Like, if you had a big short on in feeder cattle or you had a big long on in corn, it doesn't really pay for you to pay this report because if I'm reporting returns on how smart I've been over the last three months, and I'm putting air quotes around how smart I am, um, I, 
I need to report those by the end of the month regardless. So it really doesn't pay for a lot of people to try to gamble into this coin flip that we're going to get on Friday. So I think that's what you're seeing. Um, the bull spreads, the Ds over Ds, which is really, in my opinion, the, the, the market to watch, held right over a key resistance point or support level here, 36 cents difference. Um, I, I think corn is the, the better market of the of the two between corn and beans going into this report. Uh, I'm not sure how the, the USDLC thinks, but uh, from a standpoint of what can happen badly, you can get a trifecta of uh, bad U.S. acres, meaning a lot of U.S. soybean acres. Whether the trade believes it or not isn't the point. The USDA could simply say, hey, we're going to get 86 million acres or 85 million acres. Then they have a bearish grain stocks report due to the ASF and all the lack of interest in Chinese uh, imports. And then the third would be the, the G20 goes poorly. So Monday morning or Sunday night, we open up with three kind of cannonballs of bad news that the market has to deal with for the first of the month. So I'd be a little careful there at soybeans. I do think there's opportunity for each market to rally, but it needs to see the right scenario, of course. Overall, you look ahead now to Friday's report. What are we going to be focusing on? Is it more the acreage or the stocks or both? Well, I think in soybeans, the stocks are more important. For corn, the stocks will get digested rather quickly because you're really talking about 100, 150 million bushels. I mean, that's that's 1 million acres of lost land at a yield at this point. And then, two, the conditions, I, I think, probably point towards um, a higher corn acreage number that gets digested rather quickly. So in reality, I think I think the grain stocks on soybeans, and I, I, I do, I think the corn regardless, even if it breaks 20 cents, will get some support just due to the fact that the yields are, are so uncertain. Soybeans are probably a buy on a break, but I would be careful. The G20 has, is a real wild card here. Uh, you know, if, if, if both sides walk away with the rhetoric that this is over, that we're going to go ahead and kind of trudge ahead on our own, um, I think that we could have kind of a push down of those gaps on beans, worst case scenario. Thanks, John. John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniels Ag Marketing in Chicago. Go to their website, danielsagmarketing.com. This is the Rural Radio Network. Well, that'll do it for our midday program here on KRVN. To hear today's midday program in its entirety, commercial-free, go to podcasts on krvn.com, Twitter, or our app, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts.